0: five,
1: four, three, two, one.
0: You are listening to the United States of Oklahoma with Josh Delaney. I am Delaney podcasting on live from the corner of Maine and Robinson in downtown Oklahoma City and in front of me today. Is uh, former radio personality and current Seventh Ward Oklahoma City Councilwoman Nikki Nice. What's up?
1: Hey, what's up? I like the unlive part.
0: You like that? I kind of. <laughs> it's not really live. It's not radio. It's recorded. But I, you know, just. I like it. Little. T- how's my radio voice?
1: I like that too. Yeah.
0: Okay. What What are some s- secrets to good uh, Good broadcasting?
1: Enunciate
0: annunciate. Yes. Okay.
1: Also have fun. Have fun. And no one's in the room but you. So no ha- just you. make it a party.
0: <laughs> I I have always wanted to do like a late night radio You should. Event. Yeah, just chill out. Mm-hmm. I grew up watching uh WKRP.
1: Yes, in Cincinnati. Yeah. Yes.
0: Yeah. And I liked the uh, Venus flytraps vibe at night kind of chill and he had that gong so (laughs) (laughs) what'd you listen to on the way over
1: what did i listen to on the way over xm
0: xm Mm -hmm. yeah music or talk or
1: music heart and soul
0: heart and soul xm Mm -hmm. yeah favorite songs come on
1: i can't remember what came on so obviously Mm. not no (laughs) no
0: (laughs) i've been listening to a lot of country lately so who uh cody Jinks.
1: Cody Jinks.
0: Yeah, he's uh, a little bit outlaw, um, not too mainstream, but I don't know, pretty soulful.
1: Hmm. Have to look him up.
0: Either him or Chris Stapleton. So. Chris.
1: Da- okay, I have heard of him.
0: Yeah, I think my neighbors think I'm crazy because it's always some kind of mix of music over there.
1: There's nothing wrong with that. Yeah. You got to be balanced in life.
0: Do you know what I listen to on Sunday? What? MC Light's uh Paper Thin.
1: Did you? Yeah. Great song. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I, I love the beat. Yes.
0: Uh, so what uh, inspired you or why Why in the world would you want to get into the uh, rough and tumble world of uh, politics and local politics?
1: Uh, I slap myself that every day and ask myself the same question. What the heck were you thinking? Mm. Um, representation, mm-hmm. first and foremost, was the main reason. I wanted to represent my community, and also understanding just the community aspect. Now, you know, mind you, being in radio, what I well, what I did, my background was open mic talk show. So we talked about local issues, state issues, national, global. But to this realm, I I mean, I never thought I would be engulfed in a lot of the things that I have been afforded the opportunity to experience within this year and a couple of months of being in office. So representation was first and foremost on my mind because there was um, there was a concern that our community or Ward 7 would no longer be an African-American held seat. So there, there was a concern about that. There had been rumors, I guess, that uh, there were people that wanted to run for the seat that did not re- actually reflect the inner core of the community. Uh, but mind you, just knocking on doors and finding Ward 7 is 50-50 almost. <laughs> it's a split of African-Americans, Caucasians, just a, a true melting pot of, of, our, of our city. And a lot of people don't realize that because it was eye-opening for me, knocking on doors and realizing that myself.
0: Where uh, geographically is Ward uh, 7 at? What are some major uh, boundaries?
1: If you go north, you go to 192nd and Western. So pretty much Danforth and Western. If you go south, we're looking at southeast 44th and Bryant to southwest 44th and Shields. And we go east to Luther Jones.
0: It's a big big stretch, isn't
1: it? It's 130 square miles. So the city's 620, and Ward 7 is 130. So literally, we're the size of Atlanta, Georgia. We're the size of Detroit, Michigan, minus a couple of square miles. And we're also the size of Las Vegas, Nevada. Good grief. One ward
0: golly <laughs> that keep you in shape knocking on doors
1: please yes <laughs> th- it did in the Oklahoma City heat <laughs> in the Oklahoma City heat and it was also I think eye-opening for those no- doors that I knocked on especially in the upper north area of mm. people who thought they were in Edmond
0: mm. Realizing
1: okay. that actually you're in Ward Seven, <laughs> and hello, I'm running for City Council.
0: So
1: I think uh, some of them probably didn't open the door, and that's okay too. Why is that? Um, you know, a little <laughs> young African American woman knocking on your doors—that's not common, I'm sure, for a lot of people. So yeah. asking for your vote, but right, right. um, it, I I enjoyed the experience of even that and learning. How, how broad the the ward is and to speak to be able now to speak to the doors and the faces and, and the feeling of the people that yeah. I've met. Uh,
0: what have you uh, what have you learned uh, about local politics uh, since you've been on the council? Because, you know, so much um, we talk a lot about national politics, mm-hmm. but so much of what affects us day to day is is. Uh, um, enacted and governed upon by by local uh leaders what have have you learned it's
1: brutal (laughs) (laughs) it's brutal and it it takes it's still government is slow even local government so it's still going to take time to get things done and how in a lot of aspects we're preempted by what state does state law does um and how we regulate that on the local level so there were a lot of different things I've learned. And um, the interest of, of different people who want to see different things take place in the community, I've also uh, experienced that. And um, it's, it's interesting when you bring all of that to the forefront. And also the plans that have been these plans that have probably been, probably been in existence for years. Mm-hmm. And now I'm being... Um, afforded the opportunity to understand what some of that stuff is and now understand how we have to move as far as the community is concerned maybe in a different way or Mm -hmm. towards some of those goals that have already been set forward so it's a lot it's been a lot it's been a journey it's been a a lot of challenges a lot of opportunities a lot of a lot of uh, a lot of quitting at night and getting back up in the morning and saying okay what can i do today
0: yeah yeah.
1: self-encouragement self-reflection but also all uh in the name of the people of ward seven
0: yeah sounds like journalism
1: i'm telling you
0: yeah i think i yeah i think i quit a 100 times a week
1: (laughs) it happens you know life is real you know experiences are real and Um, You know, people don't really understand. I sacrificed a lot to get here. I literally sacrificed my career to be in this space. Mm -hmm. Um, And I don't take that for granted. But also, I didn't expect at the same time to have to worry about myself in the manner that I do. Mm -hmm. Um, My goal was to worry about my community first and foremost and get things done that needed to be and uh, when I literally um, was sacri- learned of the sacrifice of now this is my sole um, space of employment, you know, this is all I have at $12,000 a year, a lot of different things went into pers- perspective. So yeah. it's been a journey.
0: Do you, um, do you think the ward system is uh, a help or a hindrance in terms of getting things done? Both, yeah, um, I, so.
1: I say I say hindrance because it's so big. Mm-hmm. Uh, I also say hindrance because uh, it's a lot of work for one person, but it's a help because I get to understand how to do it, and also uh, what the tools are and the history of of the seed, and also the history of the people that have been resilient within within this ecosystem of Ward 7 as well.
0: Mm-hmm. What, are, um, what, are, what are the people like in Ward 7, and then what are uh, some of the issues that uh, they have faced?
1: Oh, the people are amazing. Uh, the people are the people that helped to raise me. Um, this is a place where you are family. This is a place where you have friends. This is a place that uh, is a village if you allow it to be. And I was born and raised in, in Ward 7 in northeast Oklahoma City. So it's truly all I know. Uh, my church, my jobs at the time, mm-hmm. um, the things that I do, everything pretty much was within the ward. And I didn't realize that till after I started running and putting stuff on paper. It's like, hmm, everything I do is pretty much in this ward, uh, except for being able to get my necessity items I have to go outside of the ward to do that, but or you know shop or whatever the case may be. But other than that, the, my core things that I need are within the community. Uh, so the people are are uh, a resilient people, but the people are also underserved in the inner core. But then you have the people who are are uh, living their beautiful communities that are gated, and they enjoy just the. The country live inside of the city aspect of, of where they are so uh, and then you have the green pastures area which is also that area where we have history of the dungy and green pastures and spencer uh, connection and luther jones that history connection so it's literally again a melting pot and i found that out just through again the the journey of a year i found out that there's a beautiful Hindu temple in Ward 7 on Coltrane that I never knew existed and it is the most beautiful place I've ever seen Um, and I would encourage people to just check it out if you're able to do that because it's the only temple in Oklahoma and it's in Ward 7 Um, there are Uh, I found out one of my young ladies that was a participant in our youth council last year, she goes to the Mercy School, and that's for our our Muslim community. They have a school. So I found out about, you know, that there's a school uh, strictly dedicated for our Muslim students in Ward 7. You know, I found out about, um, of course, knew the history of the, the black cowboys and all of those road horses and and i've done those things but learning more about the history of the spencer area and how it came to be the choctaw area as well uh, when it speaks to black history you know all of those things resonate and of course the deep deuce bricktown area Mm -hmm. um and how it came to be so those are those are the things i look at when i look at ward 7 i've always looked at it with a loving eye, but um, in this seat, I, I look at it with a, a caring eye. Hmm.
0: You mentioned um, uh, the core being underserved. Yeah. Um, how is it? How is it underserved, and how do you think it, it got that way?
1: Hmm, that's a a very complicated question. Um, it's very underserved because now if you look at just the dynamics of one zip code 73111 um, which has been the focal point lately for me and health outcomes is the health outcome there is 18 years less Um, you also look at the fact that there are zero grocery stores in that zip code I know uh, I've received letters from in emails from folks saying, please stop saying we don't have a grocery store. I tell people we do have a grocery store. We we have a store, yes, it's Otwell's, and it's not in 73111, but it is in Northeast Oklahoma City, so I'll clear that up. It's called <laughs> Sunshine Market, so if you get a chance, you know, I actually encourage everyone to go by there, mm-hmm. and the reason I, I say that is because I want people to understand what the community is facing. When I I speak from the horseshoe on uh, those Tuesdays about the difficulty of being able to to get better grocery options, if people would take the time instead of complaining and saying, why are you doing that? Come to the community and see what the community is saying and how they have to deal with the lack of. And what we have to do in order to provide for our prospective households or our families. And um, my concern, obviously, are my seniors and those young, young, young babies who have parents who have to care for them that are underage, you know, toddlers and under. So but those are, are, are things that are taking place and it's been under served for quite some time. It's just resources leave And uh, when you have different factors that take place, when you have a school system that's in some aspects um, crumbling um, and the first thing to go in some communities are schools and when schools leave or the school structure isn't the best, that's when you have other retail amenities and different things go with it. And then you have communities that flee because they're seeking better education for their children. So it's just like a, a really a, a, it's a dynamic reason and different things that you can say that are causing the community to be underserved in the manner that it is. So there's not even a one prong approach to it. Mm. It's really um, – I, I don't want to say the community has lost hope because I don't believe that. But I do believe the community wants something better.
0: Mm. Well, I was going to ask you that. Um, The community hasn't lost hope, uh, but do they have faith in city leadership? You know, we just passed uh, MAPS, so there's a lot of taxpayer money. Um, I've talked to people in the past that that felt like, um, you know, previous uh, tax measures went to fixing up all sorts of other places in town and, uh, you know, the area that you're your ward covers was, was left behind. Does the community have any confidence in, uh, you know, city leadership to, uh, do some of the things that, that, that you're talking about?
1: No. And I, I, I get it. <laughs> um, I laugh cause I say, you know, the system, the, it's the system and it's like, well, now I'm the system.
0: <laughs> you're the man. I'm
1: the man. Yeah, I'm the man. So what are we going to do? But, The one thing I I can say is as long as we're able to approach it with transparency and just being open with the people, that's what the people have been asking for as well. Like if we're tell us what's happening. And that's the least that I can do when it comes to our community is tell them what is going on. And um, so far, I know a lot of people have not been happy with even the presentation of of maps because a lot of people didn't believe that we were going to be able to get these things passed for our communities, but we did. Now it's implementation time. And the concern and in, in what I have to do next is to ensure that our community is a part of the process, that our community understands just because this is coming, it still does not mean you are going to be displaced and that's really a lot of the conversation, too. People think because something new is coming, now they are going to be displaced. And it's like, no, this is for you. Um, I have one gentleman that is always in opposition that comes to our city council meetings. And one meeting, he's like, oh, we don't need sidewalks. I know these sidewalks aren't for me. This is not for me. This is not for my community. But I beg to differ. Our community has been underserved for far too long to where we're scared when something comes. It's like, oh, what is this? It's like, no, this this is what you deserve. Our community deserves sidewalks. Our kids deserve to walk on sidewalks and not in the street. So, yes, if I can help that in this position, that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to ensure that we are caring for the community and the people that are most vulnerable in the process.
0: Um. So it's not going to take gentrification to fix the area. We're not going to go in there with uh, our. You know, it's been said that uh, when the uh, when the art gallery or the art studio comes in, that's one of the first flags <laughs> that it's over.
1: <laughs> well, there's a a black art studio. Does that count? Well, that
0: counts. But uh, you know, is it is it hipstery? We need a hipster one in there.
1: I don't know if you call it hipster. The, I think it's pretty cool. And an artisan bread shop. Oh no, that's not here yet. So maybe when that comes, okay. we might need to start talking about something different. But either way, gentrification is yeah. going to always be at the forefront of mm-hmm. our community yeah. because of of, of history. Why, why is
0: that? When is, and why does it keep happening over and over again? Um. And why and why is it that so many gentrifiers? Um, become pseudo allies of the people that they've replaced it's almost like you you people move into brooklyn for example and mm-hmm. then they complain that it's gentrified but they were the ones that actually gentrified it <laughs> unless i'm wrong
1: no um it i don't know how to explain that it's it's really difficult and i think because it's progress people claim it as such gentrification mm. sometimes but What I would like to see for our community, especially Northeast in particular, is for us to self-gentrify. And it's possible for us to self-gentrify our own communities. Um, But what that takes is a willingness for our communities to think outside the box, think differently. Um, I I won't say trust the system, but figure out how we can make the system work for us.
0: Hmm. And you mentioned it's a long process.
1: Yeah. And unfortunately, we're behind the eight ball on that. So now in some aspects, we have to be reactive Mm -hmm. instead of proactive because of what has taken place when you see the homes that are already sold. If you look at Lincoln Terrace, it's scary, Um, you know, and I know there are going to be people listening from Lincoln Terrace, but a lot of people assume that was an African-American community at one time. And there, I went to a neighborhood meeting uh, for one of the neighbors in that area, and I was the only person of color there. Mm. So I was I was in shock. Like, oh my, okay, this is what's you know, this is really what's happening in our in this community, and this is what people have been talking about. Mm-hmm. This is what people have said, and I understand you do have some who. Are the gentrifiers, but also understand the sensitiveness of what they have done mm-hmm. and how then the question comes, how can we help our community better? Um, and then you have some that it's like, well, you know, what are y'all going to do about it? Mm-hmm. If they don't want to be here, we're going to come. Yeah. And that's what we have to let our communities realize and understand that if we aren't a part of this process, we're going to continue to be left behind. But what does that look like for our community as far as that education piece and uh, attaching it to um, how we operate? And, and also, how do we attach that to actually coming together as a community? And that's where we've really been lacking, coming together as a community. Um, Just for the common good to better the community, because there's so many different groups and folks who say they know what's best. But unfortunately, because of some of the trauma and a lot of the things that have taken place in the community, a lot of those groups don't talk. Mm. And how then can you move a, a, a neighborhood if People over here trying to do one thing, and you got people on the other side saying, nope, that's not what's going to happen. We're going to do this, and nobody's talking about it, mm-hmm. and you're going to get stuck. And to me, this that explains why Northeast Oklahoma City looks the way it does.
0: Mm. Well, that sort of dovetails into my next uh, question. Am I doing a good job of listening without the ums and the ums, by the way? That's you're doing one, well. one thing I want to practice on. Hey, you know?
1: Toastmasters, I was –
0: Oh, really? That's okay.
1: what I, I did. Toastmasters. Yeah, okay. I, obviously, I need to go back because <laughs> I can hear my ums, ahs, and buts and all of that stands. I can hear my smacks sometimes. <laughs> um, but there, see there, I did it again. But let's talk Toastmasters number 4884. They meet on Thursdays, yeah, Okay. 6 p.m. at uh, Langston OKC campus.
0: Might have to head over there.
1: Come on. I promise you, you'll enjoy it.
0: Because I like to do the uh-huhs while I'm listening to let the person know mm-hmm. I am listening. But then they, you know, it just sort of sort of sounds bad when I'm listening back to it. But I've found a journalism trick is if you're dead silent while people are talking, they just keep talking. Like, they don't, they don't know how to stop. Like what you're doing to me right now. I'm just going to keep <laughs> rambling on. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I was wondering, um, you know, you get elected to a position – and a lot, a lot of times as voters, we place the onus on that person we elected to, quote, you know, get things done. Um, what do you need from that community? What, what are some proactive things they could do to, um, you know, to have, have a, a hand in, in the process beyond yelling at each other at community meetings or writing you terrible emails or, or all that oh, stuff? i yeah, get lots of those. Yeah. Uh, what, uh, what can they do?
1: show up Uh, the main thing is show up Um, and also if I have a forum or town hall or community meeting it's for a reason and I want people to show up and I also want us to go to our prospective neighbors and educate each other about what's happening because there's still a lot of people the same people show up to be educated about what's going on and you still have a lot of people who are left in the dark about what's happening. And therefore, because they don't understand what's happening, they're still uh, responding in a negative way or a way that's probably not productive to how we can move the community in the way it needs to go. So I need people to show up. I need people to show up to city council meetings. Um, I need people to show up at the subcommittee meetings that are going to be affecting projects that are happening in in Ward 7 I need people to just be a neighbor to our communities and we that's what's been missing for a long time is just that neighborly atmosphere we now you know we're so inundated in our phones and um just that instant gratification that we don't take the time to know know our neighbors or or learn about who are our, our um our neighbors, our our community, or our neighborhood association to participate in that process. So that's what I need. Um, And if there's something that's happening, I need people to tell me. Hmm. Because I know what's happening. I know what's happening in my neighborhood. I know what's on my street. (laughs) I don't know what's on your street. I know people expect for me to know that, but I don't. Mm -hmm. Um, I can drive in different places, and I purposely and intentionally drive um, different ways, so I can see different things and what's happening in the community. But I'm still probably missing the area where someone says something happened. Mm-hmm. So I, I need to, for people to realize that I am one person, and let's find out if you know something's happening. Let's figure out the numbers that we need to call to get get it taken care of. Mm-hmm. Uh, I understand a lot of people will call my office, but. Maybe they really needed to call the the action center. Mm -hmm. Maybe they really needed to call our police department. Maybe they really needed to call, you know, uh, even our state representatives. Or um, this may be an issue on the congressional level that we need to to fix. Let's find out what what needs to be done. And so those are the things that I implore our community to do. And if you don't know, well, let's let's figure it out.
0: Yeah. What's a good spot to eat over there?
1: I'm, oh, sure plenty of places. I'm sure they're all good. They're yeah, all good. Yeah, what's wrong with you? Everything's good. <laughs> I mean from the church's chicken to everything else, it's good. To,
0: to Mark's place.
1: To Mark's place. You know, I used to have a Nikki Nice Catfish basket over there. Oh,
0: really? Mhm. I'm going to get old Delaney catfish basket. Do
1: my radio days. Mark. I used to Wednesday was my day. <laughs> I would have a Nikki Nice Catfish basket. So people would nice. come in and um even I would go get them they, myself.
0: They do hush puppies over there? I forget.
1: They used to. I don't think they do anymore.
0: We'll get Mark on that.
1: Yeah, we'll we'll get him on the line. Also, I like Geronimo's. Geronimo's has the best footlong hot dogs. Mm. They fry the hot dog oh, in the fryer. Yeah. They also put the bun on the grill with the butter,
0: Ugh.
1: and they put chili and cheese and jalapenos. And some of them you can get a bacon wrap dog if you want. Okay. It's so good. And they have donuts in the mornings. They have fries. So they have pretty good Kool-Aid, too. Geronimo's? Geronimo's. And they they have a Geronimo burger that's pretty tasty.
0: (laughs) I'm more of a a cherry Kool-Aid guy.
1: Are you? Then you would like... I wasn't a great guy. You would like black cherry Kool-Aid at Florence's.
0: Florence's? All right. Mm -hmm. Have I been to Florence's yet?
1: Have you been to Florence's yet?
0: Clyde took me to a spot over there. Like near Mark's place. I don't think it was Florence's, though.
1: Where'd you go to Mama E's?
0: Uh, is that like they're owned by like people from uh like Clyde's from an island and I'm always messing it up?
1: Oh, you're talking about Caracan.
0: Yes, Caracan. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was good over
1: there. They have good... uh What did I have there the last time? It was a Red Snapper. Okay. Mm, it was really good.
0: I forget what I had. It was good. Mainly because I think Clyde bought it.
1: Yeah, I know. <laughs> that's good.
0: What's... uh? what's the um, community's um, relationship with the uh, police department these days
1: Hmm. it's funny you ask that question very interesting you ask that question there's a lot of concern um, for our community because of what's taken place in the media what has taken place in the media I know one incident in particular that I think about, which I, I do know the background of the situation, but it scared me to pieces and terrified me, was months ago there was a, a gentleman, I guess that, um, what it was a traffic routine traffic stop, and I guess he refused to stop for the police, and he ended up in the parking lot of the SmartSaver, and. When I, I, my mom and I were sitting watching the news, and by the time they broke in for breaking news, it was like 20 cop cars there. Hmm. 20. I counted all of them. That was terrifying to see something like that for one car. So the question was, what's going on? And I I did find out, you know, this gentleman considered himself uh, sovereign. So um, that process is a whole different process in itself as well. But Mm -hmm. the fact remains, perception is reality. And a lot of people saw that as Mm over-policing. And I must say, um, it terrified me to see that, too. Mm -hmm. So our our community is concerned about police relations. I'm concerned about police relations um, and what that looks like. And I also... um, I empathize with with our community. Obviously, I empathize with the police officers that are doing the right thing too. But uh, it is necessary for our police officers to understand the complexities of our community. I'm not saying they have to be sympathetic, but they should be empathetic Mm -hmm. to the needs of our community or those communities that are underserved and over-policed.
0: Why not just pull over when the lights come on, put the hands on 10 and 2, and just do whatever the officers say?
1: Because it's more complicated than that. When you see people on your TV who have done that and still get shot and killed, you don't know what to do. You know you're going to be next. That's the fear of people anytime they get stopped. Especially, um, you know, we look at what happened with the the rape, rapist cop that was arrested in the community. He was preying on African American women. And during that time frame, you know, we were horrified as as black women because that could have been us. That could have been that could have been me. That could have been my mom. That could have been um, my godmother. That could have been anybody in the community that I know. And I am uh, very careful as far as how I care for them and, and worry about. It could have been anybody. So I don't take those things lightly. And I think people should understand, too, why while uh, we we tag PTSD and trauma to those who have served it happens in communities like this. Trauma is an everyday occurrence. When someone sees another fellow neighbor or their homie or whoever slammed especially as a kid if you're a kid witnessing this slammed by a police officer and you didn't see anything wrong with what they were doing it if they were cooperating that's trauma. Your experience, you're going to expect that same experience when you encounter an officer, not to say it's going to happen, but because that's what you see, that's what you're going to expect. And that that's it's it's a very touchy subject. And I I empathize with our our black officers because it's it's not an easy job for them. I get that. It's not. This is a job that I know they don't take lightly. And that's why we need more on the force and we need more uh, that are committed to the communities that look like them. Mm -hmm. Uh, Because our young people and the people who are in our community need to see that representation of someone who can protect and serve, who is there to protect and serve, and to not just put them in jail. But even with that, you still have some officers that reflect the community. Uh, Depending on their training and depending on where they came from, they may still see it as, you know, this is you are uh, someone who deserves this type of treatment. And, you know, I I have difficulty with that. And even as we speak about this, um, I'm reminded of a conversation that I I just had most recently. And I bring it up because I am human and I, I bring it up because there's still a lot of work in me and, and I hope that our officers understand that I I appreciate the work that they do as well but there was a post on uh, MLK Day that said uh, a quote from Martin Luther King anybody pe- can be everybody can be great because anybody can serve and a young man that I know retweeted it and said I hate this place hmm. and um I did engage in, in the tweet I pressed the like button and um, I had an officer so uh, as a civilian reach out to me and ask me why I liked that post and uh, why did I like it because it's disparaging either to the city the police department or both and that really toiled with me for someone to say that and then finally I kind of um I I kept toiling and saying I'm not going to say anything because people um that are very close to me like don't engage in that stuff don't do it and then one day I just happened to look up who this person was and I realized then that this person is a police officer so therefore I said okay there needs to be a conversation let's talk about this Let's talk about this. And when we did talk about it, um, I explained, just because I engage in a post does not mean I agree with what is being said. but I will explain to you the reason I did engage with this post. one is because I know this young man and two, I know he's coming from a sincere place. And three, after talking to his parents um, the day a couple days prior, I realized he has had many negative encounters with the police department, many. And I I went on to explain what's actually disparaging, in my opinion, to our city and to our police department, and it's the many interactions that I've heard about that have taken place in the community, Uh, a retired Army colonel being pulled over by two cop cars um, who has already protected and served his, his country. Uh, I think about a, a young man that I had heard about most recently who was living in his car he was he's a senior at um, a local school and he was terrified to pull over when he saw the car the lights and he went to safety where he knew uh, a family where he was kind of staying and he got out the car, got on his Hands and knees and screamed, I'm a good kid, please don't kill me. Because these kids are terrified. And the officer asked him, Why did you why didn't you stop? He said, Because I was scared. So the this is what our community is facing when it comes to a lot of police interaction. And I'm not gonna say it's not all, but it's some. And for for our young people to have that type of reaction there's a problem there's an issue and i was very floored because i don't believe um that our some some of i I won't say all but i don't believe some of our officers are empathetic to that but I, i i praise our police department you know because they have to protect and serve us but my question is how can we interact more community policing in the conversation as well mm-hmm.
0: there um i mean you know that the dialogue in this country is ratcheted up um you know way past 10 there's been a lot more in recent years that i've observed of uh non-people of color uh coming along as allies um Does your community, how do they view that? Hmm. Is that something that's acceptable or does it come off as um, pandering and um, sort of talking down and glomming on to uh, a movement?
1: It depends on the approach. If you have people that are basically talking down to you saying, this is what needs to be done. This is how you you can, this is what you need to do. Nobody wants to hear that, Mm -hmm. especially people that have um, a culture of people who have been doing it how they can for so long.
0: Do you you want to be spoken for by even well-meaning people?
1: Sometimes I think it's it's difficult to say yes, because if they don't understand your struggle, they can't speak for you. They can, again, empathize, but can they actually speak for you? And even in the position I'm in, I'm torn and toiled with that, too, because I look at in my upbringing. Yes, I was raised in a single parent home, but my mom, I I don't know anything about not having anything to eat. So those are hard conversations for me because I don't know what that looks like. Uh, And if I if it ever happened, my mom never let me know uh, that it did. So I'm very careful to speak to to those things, um, even that I I know I don't have the knowledge of. So I I would say that it's it's the same for anyone that's coming into our community that also has no knowledge Mm -hmm. of what everyday life is for uh, a lot of us in the community.
0: Do you think sometimes, um, and it, you've got a diverse community, I'm just curious if, if there's any sentiment in the black community specifically um, that sometimes uh, white people in particular uh, use the black community as a mascot to signal their own virtues. I love them, I'm not a racist, some of you bad people are the you know some of you are the bad ones you need to change and you know not be racist and not be this i mean is that is that their conversation to have and do black people have that discussion um privately or on twitter
1: <laughs> definitely happens on twitter <laughs> everything happens on twitter by the way if you want a good conversation there. you hey if you're bored get on twitter i'm telling you, you'll you find something am, um, I, am i off
0: the mark here with these questions it's just something i'm uh, been a little curious about
1: No, I think, again, when you look at white privilege, when you look at white fragility, when you look at uh, a lot of the things that are taking place, especially right now in our society, it's a very difficult thing to approach a lot of our communities in a manner of, you know, I'm the savior. Mm -hmm. Um, I know what's best for you. Listen to me. Um, We
0: I don't, I don't mean to cut you off. We used to call it the great white hope.
1: That too. When I was
0: growing up. Okay. Yeah. Here comes the white savior.
1: Yeah. And, and that's what a lot of people maybe, uh, you know, my race in particular, you could probably say that. You know, I, Here you have me, um, a younger African-American woman. And in my runoff, I had a middle-aged Caucasian man. Mm-hmm. And here are the this, this distinct differences. I live in the community. He lived in the community, but he lived in the gated community. Um, when it came to him being able to knock on doors, he was free to do that. He had the, he had the background to do it and, and the money to support him to pay for people to do it for him. Whereas I had to knock my own doors. I had friends that volunteered their time to help me do that. And when i want I tried to knock in his community, I couldn't hmm. because it was gated so and this is the same ward, so those are you know staunch differences when you yeah. look at at those things and when you have somebody saying, "Oh, you know, I'm just going to do let me let me fix this for you, and then I'm going to make sure an African American gets this seat when I'm done hmm. That's not the way to approach the community
0: mm-hmm.
1: to say that, yeah. And I'm not going to say that uh, was a hindrance, but um, I know that was not something a lot of people in the community wanted to hear. Yeah, especially on the 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 realm of uh, the president that we have now in office and the rhetoric and uh, the messaging that he has brought forth within his campaign. Um, that's not sensitive to a lot of communities. So, yes, there is uh, there's a fear, and, um, and I don't want to say a fear, but there's a, a lack of trust when it comes to uh, a lot of folks that don't reflect the community wanting to come in and, and literally take over. And that's one of the things uh, I'm very distinct about when I talk. I know we had a meeting last year, last summer, and I said to, to our ca- Caucasian brothers and sisters, we need you. But please understand, this community is already established. All we—if you have the resources—let's figure out a way we can partner with those in the community and help them to feel empowered in what's happening for their own space. Mm-hmm. That's what the conversation should be.
0: Yeah, they don't want to just gentrify it and then take Instagram photos and say they live in the hood. <laughs> That's help, right?
1: <laughs> for who? <laughs> who is that help for?
0: Not that I've ever seen that happen.
1: Oh my goodness!
0: <laughs> I live in the hood. Love well, living in this urban area. Well, I guess when it you get well, or when you get bike
1: years. lanes, it's going to be over. <laughs> and I can't wait to ride my bike.
0: <laughs> All right, here's a tough one for you. On on his best day, can a white guy ever be as cool as a black dude?
1: <laughs> my, what kind of question is on that? On his best day. On his best day. Yeah
0: like me can I ever be as cool as Mark
1: Mark is listening so I'm gonna say no
0: (laughs) no he knows I got a better voice
1: though
0: (laughs) all right let's wrap this up I'm I'm always uh, thanks for your time by the way no Uh,
1: problem at all
0: councilwoman Nikki Nice um I guess one final thing just just from the journalism side um how does the uh community how does the seventh ward view uh the media's uh coverage of them good bad or ugly We're
1: bad and ugly bad and ugly and bad uh, and ugly
0: why yeah. is that and uh what uh, can be uh done about that
1: bad and ugly because the people in my opinion you have media as we've had the conversation before you have people who are giving their perspective of what they expect this area to be like and not actually getting out to know the people of the community. So when they go get this interview, of course, you know, you're looking for the first person you can find. But is that really the right person to interview for this story? Hmm. No. Most of the time, no.
0: Are there red flags I need to look for? I feel like the media always runs into a church.
1: It depends on the story for where they run. And I would say get Get differing opinions to make the story matter, mm-hmm. not just people of the same cloth or opinion to speak to this issue. Uh, and a lot of people don't realize, I guess they think you're you're supposed to find uh, the most. worst person you can find in some aspects that's what it seems like the worst person you can find in the community to speak to whatever just happened it's like really that's who y'all that's what y'all did (laughs) i know plenty of people on that block that could have spoke to that
0: i think you're yelling at tv people right now i'm I'm yelling at both
1: i'm I'm yelling at both
0: drive-by journalism
1: (laughs) yeah i'm yelling at both and the reason i do that is because this has happened to me um And I call myself a pretty, you know, a journalist. Yeah, yeah. But it's happened to me from TV and radio. Mm -hmm. uh, One TV article said I was aggressive.
0: Well, I got to tell you. (laughs) I'm kidding.
1: Yeah. And it was like, really?
0: Don't come across that table, Councilwoman.
1: I won't. It'll be on. Today, I won't. (laughs) Another, And I'll say even a newspaper article... um, brought out something that i was like this had nothing to do with the other why did you do that Mm -hmm. why did you do that yeah and i I made mention of that in my council comments because of what i had read yeah so i won't say who that was okay
0: all right by the way i didn't think you were literally yelling i know somebody's (laughs) gonna listen and go oh my god there he goes oh (laughs) no she was not yelling no
1: i wasn't yelling you you freddy cat white guy and that's the thing, handsome, too. Though. You are
0: handsome. <laughs> Thank way. you. I got to shave. The,
1: that's that's the thing, too. When you have, when you don't have, people say all the time, oh, I have black friends. You know, people say that a lot.
0: Not me. You don't. Yes, <laughs> you do, because oh, no.
1: Mark's your friend. You do, because Mark's your friend. And for all of you, just go find Mark. To, <laughs> Mark at Icy Vent Center and Grill so you can know who his friend is.
0: They, see, they do the opposite to me. I'm the white friend that black people talk about.
1: And we say that, too. <laughs> so it's funny you say that. We say that as well. Um, but when you think about, about stories and how conversations should occur, I think journalism should be journalism. Mm-hmm. Um, it should just be a person. It should be a conversation. And unfortunately, when it comes to our community, it's like, oh, those people over there. Right. And it's expected Mm -hmm. behavior from those people over there. But no, um, if you look at the records, our communities that these people still do stories about, that's not one of the worst communities in our city. Although people think it, just because it's on the news all the time, it does not mean we're the worst community. Mm. We're not. And people want to use that scare tactic. Yeah. In my opinion, for our community. And I say no I I would like to say no more, but I know that's not gonna happen. Right.
0: I think the worst is Mesta Park, those people. Uh <laughs> oh.
1: Not, I'm not I am not touching that. <laughs> I refuse to See, touch that.
0: I think you're the first yeah, you're the first elected official I've had on here. And this is why, because now I'm gonna start devolving, so I better oh, cut Lord. myself off. <laughs> well good stuff you got any events uh you know coming up we should know about
1: yes actually february 22nd we're going to do a black history month uh town hall and um we're going to have it at ice event center and grill oh boy i know so okay. we're gonna have a breakfast from 9 to 10 30 mm-hmm. love for everyone to come so we're going to talk about the things that are taking place within the ward also uh as from a city standpoint maps for that type of stuff and uh, we'll have a component where we're going to speak uh, Black History, Ward 7. Mm-hmm. So we'll definitely add that piece of Black History to the to the conversation. Because it's important for us to, to understand where our roots come from when it comes to Ward 7. Because, I, honestly, I did not know. I knew a few people that have held this space. But I didn't know the true history of people that have held this space until I researched it last Black History Month and understood um, where we have come from and, and how far we still have to go
0: yep. Alright, Councilwoman Nikki Nice thanks uh, for putting up with me
1: Anytime, I appreciate you and I appreciate the opportunity to sit and talk about our community and, and how we can better it together with great journalism
0: With great journalism
1: <laughs> Great journalism
0: Alright, I'll catch up with you over at uh, Marcus Lewis
1: <laughs> Sounds good
0: <laughs>